I mean, they're trying to get in a uh, building, uh, I mean, at least a YMCA building right now. Uh, and a lady, uh, they went and talked to a lady today. She goes, hey, listen, we have three of them in Hampton. Uh, you come tomorrow, I'm going to give you a tour of the three, and you pick the one you want. So that's, that's a hallelujah, amen. See, he called me, he said, man, I can't believe that. I said, well, that's what happens. You obey God, you know. Get out there and go preach and see what God will do, amen. So, But tonight we're in for a treat, amen. Pastor McCray's kind of become family here. He's preached here a number of times. He enjoys his friendship, enjoys his preaching. Just give him a hand tonight as he comes. Oh, glory to God. It's good being here in Newport News. Hallelujah. You got it made. You got wall wall. What else do you need? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, we'll open up the Acts chapter 9. I thank God for your pastor. I really do. It's just to get around him. It, my faith gets restirred, refreshed, and ready to fight the battle. Hallelujah. And, uh, and Sister Mona, so glory to God. You're blessed because you have a pastor and a wife that loves you and loves God and loves the church and wants to see great things for your church. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to take a look at tonight. It's a simple word, but it's a very, very powerful word that we all are very familiar with. It's called testimony. And we're going to take a look in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read that to launch off this evening. It says in verse 1, chapter 9, it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In verse 5, and he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the golds. And verse 6, and he's trembling, astonished, and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. We'll stop right there. We're talking about testimony tonight. There's two subjects I want to talk to you about. The one, first subject, his name's George. And there's a long, dear saint there in Jacksonville. He lived across the street from this couple I know, some of you might know, Jeff Marty and his wonderful wife, Karen. And uh, as, as George lives across the street, he's 89 years of age. He's, Jeff and Karen has lived across the street from for pro approximately 30 years. And George is a Korean vet. He fought in, and also a Vietnam vet. He fought in seven different major campaigns. And when I use the word campaign, that means major battles. Lots of guns, lots of people. I mean, it's a bad scene. Seven major campaigns. And George is a hardened Marine, seen it all, been there, done that. I mean, he's a Marine, Marine through, seen combat action. Well, every so often, Jeff would be working, making props for the children's church. One time he's building this great big uh, wood thing called the train to hell or whatever. And, and uh, George came across the street. He said, what are you building now? for your church. He goes, this is the George, this is the train that takes people to hell. And he explains to him it's a prop that they're building. And Jeff's an artist. He, he's painting it all up. And uh, George goes, oh, you in hell preaching. He walks across the street all mad. He's not this again. And that's the way George was. But Jeff, through him and his wife, they always had George over, come over for 
you know, at dinner, kept loving him and stuff. But George didn't want nothing to do with the church. Well, he's in the hospital now. Time goes by. He's in the hospital there in Jacksonville, and he only has a few days or a little bit of time left to live. Jeff's up there, and he told George, George, he goes, this firefight you're not going to make. You better give your heart to Jesus. Now, through all these years, Jeff told about Jesus, about his saving power. George never came to the Jacksonville church, but George on that day gave his heart to Jesus in the hospital. Now, what happened right there when he gave his heart to Jesus is Jeff, like we all do, we want to see some results. When people give their heart to Jesus, it's, it's, it's not like you just, but there's a change that takes place. And the change happened. Now, remember, George, he wasn't, there was no list of do's and don'ts. He's on his death, but he's only got maybe a few days left, just the way it's coming down for his health. And that's what, and he prayed that prayer. Well, from that point on, George did not say another cuss word. That's a miracle. From that point on, George was a different man. George, uh, Jeff left because he was up with him all night long, watching over him his last hours of life. His daughter came in, then Jeff went back, and when his daughter was leaving the room, because they're taking shifts for sleep reasons, his daughter says, I don't know what's the matter with Dad. Jeff looks, well, what's wrong with your dad? He wants to go to church today. He's never been to church in his whole life. He wants to go to church. He's in his, if you want to say, deathbed. There's a change that takes place. Well, in our text tonight, in chapter 9, shows us a great, powerful, this man was brutal. He was, he was mean as a hornet. He was angry. Here he gets documents where he can go in and, and grab anyone he wants. He can grab you right now. He can grab anyone he wants to take and haul them off to jail, put them in, in prison, maybe even have them executed like Brother Stephen was executed with stones. This guy, was he was totally possessed of anyone that spoke the name Jesus. This guy was a terror. The Christians that believed in Jesus, they shook at just the sound of his name. This man is named Saul. And here Jesus takes time and invades his life, probably because all the other Christians were running from him. And you can't blame them. And this man was a madman against the gospel, against Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. So he even goes out of his city. He's not happy just with Jerusalem. He goes out of his city to Damascus, and Jesus knocks him off his horse. And the bright light, and, and what does he say? Lord, what will you have me to do? Before he's coming against this Jesus, now he wants, what do you want me to do? All oh, good things take place when Jesus comes into our heart. You know, we're, we, we, this is something, not a program. It all begins, we're at the altar. It begins at a place of decision making. Now you thank the Lord we have an altar here tonight where we can make decisions for Jesus. Years ago, I was in Greenville, we're street preaching. The one guy I was street preaching with, uh, the disciples said, hey, pastor, let's make this corner our altar before the Lord. 
I said, you know what? That's a good idea. So we started praying, say, Lord, tonight we're going to use this curb right here. We claim this little piece of property. This city, the city thinks they own it, but Lord, you own everything. We're claiming this right now. We're going to believe God that we're going to pray with people at this street corner. And across the street, there in Greenville, ECU students are lined up like 80, 80 people deep waiting to get into the to the to the dance club and we're just going to start street preaching but before that we're going to start claiming this this is going where people can get saved where people can get delivered this is going to be our altar right here on the street corner yeah there's a little bit of bubble gum over there there might have been a little bit of the trash over there there might have been a little soda bottle over there but we're going to claim this for your namesake lord this is going to be our altar tonight we ended up praying with four people that night I said, we're going to claim everything for an altar now on. Glory to God. It can be in the parking lot of Walmart or wherever we're at. But this is the power is that, that when people get saved, just like myself, all of a sudden there was instant something that took place in my life, far more than just a piece of paper or a program uh, or if you belong into Boy Scouts or, or whatever it may be or the Boys Club, all the different do's and don'ts or even the military where they give you general orders. You better go by these general orders or just a bunch of head knowledge, but there's a spirit that comes in. The spirit is invisible. I didn't see the spirit. But when I got saved on that Sunday morning, that it came Friday, we just got paid. Us Marines load up and we go partying. Well... You know, no, I don't know what, you know, I've never been a Christian before. I never heard that Jesus, but I know there was something different inside me. I felt clean. So I'm going to party, and right when I was walking into the tavern, right into the bar to shoot pool, the voice came, and it spoke, like, behind my heart and said, you don't need this no more. I froze. The guys looked back at me said, come on. I said, no, no, I'm good. I'm going to be out here. And I was just paced for two and a half hours until they got done drinking and shooting pool. And I said, I said, Lord, if you get me back to the barracks, I'm never going to do this again. I felt so bad. I felt like I did something wrong. I mean, that voice was so powerful inside, but it was a whisper voice, but it was so powerful. I said, just get me back, Lord. I'll never, never do this. I said, I just know this doesn't please you. I just want to serve you. There was the spirit of God that was working inside me that changed my life, and that's part of my testimony, that once I was like this, but the spirit of God got inside me, I received him, and, and the words I said when I accept the Lord, you have total access to my heart, my soul. There's a cleansing that went on, and it gave me power. And his voice, his laws were starting to be written on my heart where it guided me and directed me what to do and what not to do without anybody in the church, including the pastor, telling me the do's and don'ts. So much took place that it wasn't just something in the flesh, it was in the spirit realm that was being taking place in my heart that I didn't even tell some of the people. I was like, man, this is cool. I mean, I can actually hear the voice of God for me. I mean, it's very, very, this, this is the most awesome thing that God was doing inside my heart and my life. And for you and me tonight, do you remember uh, that one thing that when you got saved that you instantly gave up without somebody telling you? I remember when I was in Greenville preaching the gospel. I was cutting the grass in the backyard. There was no fence between my neighbor, between us. I could see him. He could see me. He was cutting his grass at the same time. So I'm coming around with my lawnmower. Oh, he's going to be my first convert in the church. I'm cutting the grass. So all of a sudden I come up. I come up to him. He's right there. I said, I can tell he's, he's a pure sinner. He's a pure, this guy loves his beer. How could I tell? It wasn't a word of knowledge. It was because he had a big beer gut. 
In fact, it was popping outside of his T-shirt. I said, yeah, this guy is all bearded up. He, I mean, yeah, we're going to get him. I mean, at six months, he'll, the beard gut will be gone. I had vision for him. He'll be street preaching. And, you know, it just looked like he was nine months pregnant. I mean, he, he, he drank some beer. And uh, so we stopped our lawnmower. I says, hey, I'm your neighbor over here. And he said, yeah, I'm over here. My name's this. And we small talked. And, and I said, yeah, well, I'm here to pastor a church, to start a new church. Yeah, I'd like for you to come. Oh, praise God, brother. And all of a sudden I went, he goes, he goes, I just got saved about a month ago. And let me tell you what God has done for me. He goes, I used to drink almost a case of beer every two days. I believed him. I, 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 smoked, I smoked cigarettes, uh, you know, about a pack and a half a day. He goes, but when Jesus came out of my heart, you know, he goes, I gave it all up. He goes, I'm serving God. I'm so happy. I'm, I love God. And God, I mean, God did such a wonderful thing in my heart. I feel so different. Praise God. Well, let me cut cutting the grass. <laughs> he was already churched up. He got saved. But the church didn't tell him to stop smokes. The church didn't tell him about the beer. I mean, it's the spirit of God. And don't get me wrong, we hear stuff that comes over the pulpit or reminders that we need to hear, or maybe tonight I may give you a reminder what we need to do or not to do, but at the end of the day, it's the Spirit of God in you. Yes. Spirit of God in you. No one taught Paul, well, now that you, 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 know, you met Jesus, you need to ask him what to do. Well, he and Slee asked him, well, what must I do? You know, what, Lord, what will you have me to do? There's something that takes place after you've been in Christ for yeah, maybe maybe about three minutes or maybe five, that all of a sudden you wonder, what, Lord, what can I do? I'm so thankful. What would you have me participate? What would you have me do to help around with the church? Or what can I do to, to work and, and be involved? Now, I ask you tonight, what was one thing that the Spirit of God spoke to you about to give up? Raise your hand if there's anybody. Nobody? Uh, Pastor? cussing so nobody said okay this is the way you gotta speak here's the seven deadly words you never say he instantly gave up cussing anybody else sis worldly music so so whatever it was she was listening to she turned it off turned the channel to jesus hallelujah anybody else drugs praise god so instantly there wasn't Pastor, take out, hey, you know, boom, is a spirit. This is what we're talking about, the spirit of God driven. Nobody told you it was something, anybody else, raise your hand. Being at church. So there was something that, was, that I need to be here. I belong to a family. Anybody else? Pornography. Pornography. Glory to God. So you just stop looking at the dirty pictures and said, forget that. I'm don't, praise God. These are real things. These are real things, my brother. Cigarettes. So there again, this is, this is stuff that people, as, so this Jesus, the Spirit of God, invisible force that comes in us, we all have these little hang-ups or these little things that the Spirit of God told us without someone twisting our arm. You know how long that lasts? You know, it's like your dad when you're growing up or maybe it was your mom that twists your arm. You know how long that lasts until you got outside the house? But when it's the Spirit of God, it's wherever you go. You can be in any state. You can be in any country. You can be in any place. But when the Spirit of God burns it in your heart, it's like, whoo. It's like the burning bush experience. It's like, whoa. 
This is powerful. Anybody else? I don't want to miss someone. Sis? Your attitude. So all of a sudden, there's a want to look at your parents in a different light. That's a powerful thing. It could be forgiveness. It could be whatever it is. Anybody else? Sis? Romance novels. Lance Romance. <laughs> she, she's done reading Lance Romance. But, what, no, whatever it is, but thank God. There's something that, these are all, there's no, there's no, I, I want to say there is a right answer, but the whole point is the spirit of God is working in your church and working for you as individuals. That, and, and it's not just this church, it's other churches where I pre preach at where people are hungry for the spirit of God. But what happens then as time goes by, we can f kind of, you know, not appreciate those times or forget about those early days where those early days, it's like, like we're coming out of like Frankenstein, our spiritual walk, like Frankenstein, and all of a sudden God started making something beautiful. But we forget about those days that we came into church. We, we were like spiritual Frankensteins. We had big old boots and we we're full of sin. We we're like concrete. And then God all of a sudden starts fixing us up and taking away all this ugly stuff. But we need to remember that from time to time that that's our testimony. Now, in the Bible, it talks about, about three different people that had a powerful encounter with Jesus. One man, the Bible even told us, he's a short little man. I believe it's in Luke 19. He climbed up that tree. Don't you remember that man? He's, he wanted to get, because the crowd was so big, he came up with an idea. You know, you just want to see Jesus, and he's up there, and then Jesus stops and looks and calls him by name. He comes down, and he visits with Jesus, and, and this man is so overwhelmed by the power of God. And Jesus, he says, you know what? I want to make things right with everybody. I want to get things. I want, I want to, whoever I ripped off, I want to give half of my stuff to the poor. I want to make things right. There was a change of heart when a person digs in his wallet and gets things right. You hear what I'm saying? He backs up his faith, faith with his wallet. There's another woman that just going for another day. She had multiple relationships. She goes out to the well, and there it is. She's a Samaritan, and all of a sudden, who's there? Jesus. And after all their conversation is done, She's so touched and believes that he's the Messiah. She, go, he goes, she goes back to the city and tells everybody, you need to come out here. There's the Messiahs out here. And the whole town came out and says many believed on the words that Jesus. And here she was a faithful witness. Oh, it goes on. And you can even see when, the, when this man that we read about tonight, he was locked up with this other guy named Silas. He was in jail. And, and, and they bring Jesus to this warden. And the, when the warden believes in this Jesus, what does he do? He says, come on over to my house. I'll feed you and put some healing oil on your back because they were beaten so bad. There's a change that takes place. The change is powerful. It's something you cannot necessarily teach yes we do sunday schools and we need sunday schools but there's got to be something that happens in the heart of a human being when they receive jesus and us as pastors and preachers i want to see some results of 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 do they get the goods now the second subject it sounds like we're inspecting frogs anyways anyways the second subject is jeff marty has a brother named joe marty He's on his deathbed. These are all true. These are powerful things that happen. Joe Marty, his last hours. Jeff takes this guy named Wally Vantine. They go up to see his brother. He only has a, we don't know, hours. Well, anyways, Wally prays with his brother Joe Marty. 
because Joel won't pray with Jeff. Long story. Even though, even though Jeff did everything for him. It's called bitterness. Anyways, but he prays with Wally. And after he prays with Wally, there's totally different personality in Joe. He even stops fussing with the nurse. Nurse could never do nothing right. Hey, he's just ornery. But after he prays with Wally, there's signs and symbols. He's a totally different man. Totally different man by the power of God. That all of a sudden there's a thank you. And before he goes on in turning, he tells his own brother who's always been jealous or envy, whatever that is, and the devil puts some flames on. He told his own brother that he loves him. Two different people. They never made it to church physically, but there was a powerful change of life before their death. And we can see different accounts, even through the word of God, of different people that, uh, that came to Christ. As I mentioned, the woman, the, even that, that demon-possessed man that with the unclean spirit that was in the tomb yard that would howl at the moon, half butt naked, and the people didn't know what to do with him. Jesus comes, casts the demons into the pigs, and we can see him. he's clothed in his right mind. We need the Holy Ghost, and we need the power of God in our church. So many times we can be in this council session where we try and convince people they're saved. We try to keep people saved with our own intellect, and thank God we, can, we need to befriend people. But at the end of the day, people need Jesus and they need the spirit of God to come in where they'll have their own testimony where God visits with them personally and each of us we all have our personal testimony when we come to Christ that day that moment when Christ comes into our heart now now one thing we can learn in the book of Acts that this man named Saul his name gets changed to Paul but anyways this man named Paul Every time as you read throughout the book of Acts, what's one thing he shares? His testimony to King Agrippa, to Felix, to all these different leaders, all the way over to Rome. He shares his testimony of what Jesus did for him. Now, years go on. See, when we read the book of Acts, we go through it real quick. We're already, already we're at the end of the book of Acts, and we think it's all happening in one day. No, 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 no. It didn't happen in one day. It was many, many years went by. He was just in Rome, locked up for two years. But his testimony of the power of God when he met Jesus on that road to Damascus was still fresh, still at his right there. There he is talking to these these powerful, that, that these people that could execute him and put him on trial, even it doesn't matter who it is, he shared his testimony. Sometimes we, we think our testimony is small peas. Your testimony is powerful. The way God came into your life or, or how you came into the church or how you met Jesus, there's no small testimonies tonight. How, you, how God took, orchestrated the time. I know what God did for me. My testimony was I was in Wisconsin and leaving that religious church, and I had a whisper of a prayer. I said, Lord, I said, God, I said, there has to be something more to you than this. What is this? It was a United Methodist Church, big cross, fancy steeple, all the important people were going there, but there was no Jesus there. I didn't know what it was. I said, there's got to be something more to you than this. Well, God shut a bunch of doors. I was mad. I was full of anger, 
doors for work, doors for opportunity in our city. It didn't make sense. Well, it made sense now. But at that time, I was so mad, I go down to the Marine Corps recruiter. I said, I want to get away from this little rotten town, never see it again. I want to see the world. He looked at me, you'll see the world. He, he didn't lie about that. Even parts I didn't want to see, the freezing mountains of Korea, uh, the hot heat of Okinawa. I, there's, I did see a whole lot of the world And as, as I traveled around. But the whole point is that one year later, I'm in Camp Lejeune. I didn't even know there was a Camp Lejeune. I didn't even know there was a North Carolina. I had to find it on the, state, on, on the map. Where am I going? I got orders. To, and, and there I was packing that wall locker that day, just checking in because we live in an open squad bay. Open squad bay, like this whole room with 60 but wild, crazy Marines. And I'm packing my stuff in there. And I said, I was telling this guy, using hell the wrong way. And all of a sudden, this guy comes around the wall locker. Hell? Hell's a place where people are gnashing their teeth. That's where demons dwell. That's where you'll be for eternity rejecting Jesus. You'll spend eternity in hell for rejecting Christ. That's what hell's all about. I was like, who is this guy? This, and that's how we started. But the testimony, eventually, he invites me out to his church, about 18 people on a good day. Might have been less. It didn't matter how many people came. I know I was going. I don't worry if there's 300 or if it's three. I'm there because I'm there for my soul. But he invited me to his church. There's a broken down 7-Eleven building still standing in Jacksonville. You couldn't drink the water. It would come out brown. There was roaches in the nursery slash prayer room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The carpet was three different shades. We, we used to have these things called metal chairs. I don't know if you've ever seen them before. But that, none of that stuff mattered because that day when I got saved, and, and he invited me out to a church. But picture this. There was about maybe at that time 40,000 Marines in barracks throughout all of Camp Lejeune. But there's only one guy at that time that was, that was in the unit the unit I was in, actually he wasn't, he was in regiment. He shouldn't even have been in that barracks. Out of all the places he could have been positioned at, but it was on the third, if he was on the second floor, if he, if he was on the first floor, I would have never met him. If I did, it could have been years. You say, well, you're all together. We are, but I'm telling you, the way Marines are, if he was anywhere else, and you don't think a needle in a haystack, that God's timing for this little old me, that God organized a faithful witness? He wasn't a sissy witness. You know what a sissy witness is. I hope we don't. Have, do we have sissy witnesses in here? I hope not, not. Anyways, I'll be nice tonight. But anyways. But he wasn't a sissy witness. He was strong. He was bold. He loved his Jesus. And I said, what he's got is what I want. He knows the voice of God. But, but out of all that whole base, it's still, it's still, what an awesome God that he put a faithful witness. And I said, that's where I want to go. And went to his church and became a believer, became born again, where the spirit of God came in my life. Just like Nicodemus, he had all the questions in the world. But we read in John chapter 9, where now Nicodemus, 
is involved taking Jesus down from the cross because he's a believer. He's not coming at nighttime. Now it's daytime and the blood is on his hands. And this is what Nicodemus is all about. I don't care who sees me. I believe he's the son of God. I'm going to help do the burial for this one who I believe is the savior. I believe all the words he said. Nicodemus, who is a very high religious ruler, is now getting involved because there's something that's going on in the inside. Oh, glory to God. We need the working of the Holy Ghost. And the whole thing is your testimony, your testimony is precious. However way you came in here, how many people came in here tonight by someone inviting you or bringing you? Amen. Glory to God. So somebody had to be a faithful witness. Do I have that right? Somebody had to talk to you and tell you, I'm going to come by and pick you up. And I thank God because I didn't have a vehicle. That guy on the other side of the wall locker, he carried me to church. And he even carried me when I didn't have the strength to go. He made sure I got in that truck. You hear what I'm saying? You know how it is. There's someone that was praying for you. And, and even without me knowing all the details, because what happens, you get saved. You're like a, on a rocket ship. You're going to the moon. It's like, man, I, I can jump over the moon. But then all of a sudden, the devil has that big old baseball bat, Louisville Center, I mean slugger, and knocks you in the head, and you come tumbling down. We all go, and that's why they say, well, give it six months, because why? Every pastor knows that you go up, and, and there's going to be some trials and testings that go on. And it's not just you, it's everyone. You've got to go through the, the, the spiritual boot camp, if you want to say. The first six months is your hardest time because your testimony, but you guard that testimony. You need to protect that testimony. That testimony is precious. There's people in the Word of God. The Bible takes detail about people's lives and mentions many people about their, their life and how they live and how they finish the race. There's powerful things uh, about different people. It writes about David. It writes about Solomon. It writes about Abraham. It writes about all these different people and how they finish. Even Noah, it talks about majority of their life and other people. It even talks about Ruth and Naomi. What do you think about what caused Ruth to come to Bethlehem to leave the land of Moab? She was a Moab. She had all the reasons to say, no, -uh, I'm staying here in the land of Moab. I'm not, she's a widow. I'm going to marry some Moab guy. Uh, uh But she was enticed. She said, no, where you go, I go. Where you die, I die. She's willing to go what? She's willing to go with Naomi, and she's willing to leave everything of her. She doesn't know what she's getting into. You know how hard it is pack up and move? I've done it. I've done it enough. And the Lord knows it's, it, every time it's, it, you don't know, sometimes you don't know where you're going. But she's willing to pack up, and she had all the reasons. But why? Because there was something that was working inside her heart of faith, and she becomes a great-great-grandmother of Jesus. Your testimony is powerful. And you can't live, live just for today when hell's coming against you, when you're in the real battle zone, and all the different demonics are working against you, tearing at your mind, maybe sin is knocking at your door, maybe you haven't been praying like you should be praying, maybe you haven't been reading like you, have, you should be reading, all the different attacks that are coming against you, and then all of a sudden you make a foolish decision. That comes against your love for God. You make a foolish decision getting involved in something you shouldn't get involved in. You make a foolish decision where, where, where the church says you're no longer allowed to come to this church no more. 
Can you imagine doing something so horrifying before Jesus and before your church where they, it's a privilege. You say, well, the church has to let me in. Do they? It's, it's a privilege. If I misbehave in a certain way, my pastor says, you know what? You need to take some spell off and get serious about Jesus. Come on back in about a year from now and see, we'll see where you're at. Oh, the church can't do it. Well, there's certain things you can cross certain boundaries and ruin your testimony. It's sacred. It's holy. And so we need to take our testimony serious. And as I was mentioning, all these people in the word of God, we don't have to be a Samson and be working like a mule and grinding at a grind because he just took his, it didn't matter to him. You, we don't have to be like these other foolish people. We have warnings in the Bible. There's, there's good testimonies in the word of God, and then there's rotten testimonies, and then there's the unbeliever's testimony where we can say, I don't want to be a Pharaoh. I don't want to be a Judas. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like this person in the word of God. We can learn a whole lot of what not to be also in the word of God and your testimony when our life is written when we stand before the Lord it's your book that you're writing for who you are and what you're about tonight what are you about tonight now if your testimony has some blemishes on it and and you know that you went way to the left and and I ain't just talking about daily things I'm talking about where you know that you know well tonight we can come to the altar and say Lord tonight I'm going to get serious I'm going to keep my testimony Amen. you know there's an old I know it's kind of the old thing is what would Jesus would do you ever ask that when all of a sudden you're in that heat of the battle and also you know that, what was it WW people wore those bracelets for a while what would Jesus do I know it sounds a little but there's a truth to it though be going through the drive-thru well, I don't know what's taking so long it's been already two minutes I want my Whopper I'm gonna die where's the I just want one of those french fries what's going on here and my wife would whisper and you're a Christian don't lose your testimony don't lose your te oh yeah and then just to impress my wife, you have a flyer? Oh, I think there's one right here. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> wives are, are powerful. Thank God for the Holy Ghost and thank God for wives. I think they work together. Hallelujah. They keep, they keep you saved. Hallelujah. And, uh, but but, but it's, it's the truth is that our testimony on the job, at the work, uh, I mean, it, this one guy... Not, not just my, part of my testimony. It's not break on Brian night, but, but it, it, I remember we were laying block, and this one guy got down, and, and he, we were about getting ready to get in a fight. But anyways, he goes, talks to the, to the boss and, and the owner of the company. We're doing this big block job. And he said, yeah, yeah, and, and that amazed. He was pointing me. I was the bad guy. He goes, yeah, and he cussed me out, and he did this, he did this. The owner says, what? Now, the owner knew me for about four or five years, he goes, he said, what? He goes, yeah, he's up there cussing me out like this, and this, and this. You know what the owner did? He said, you're fired. The guy jumps back and goes, why? I've known him for this long, and he's never cussed. Get off my job. Straight up. Straight up. What testimony do we have? It's, it's sacred. It's your testimony. It's your storybook. 
I can't write your story for you. I mean, I wish I could. Oh, and they, they never missed a prayer meeting. They never did this, and they never did this, and they loved it. They, they were there on outreach. They were, they, they were soul winners. They had a bird. I mean, it's your testimony. It's your testimony. They, you know, they were, and the list goes on. They were givers. And with that tonight, that God has a testimony as we close the night. You know, God has a testimony. His testimony is very, very powerful. His testimony is that he's into you. The whole Bible is about God redeeming us, having a relationship with us. Yes, I know there's an enemy that always tries to separate us. That's his, that's what he does. He's very good at it. But God has a testimony tonight that he wants to be a part of our lives and he wants to redeem us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He's faithful. I mean, there's no other God. There's no other God. All these other, I've been to Okinawa where they, they're involved in Hindu and, and there's Buddhism, there's, there's Allah, there's all, you know, all these false gods around the world, but not one of them tells his people that he loves them. Only our God, that God so loved the world, only our God tells us that he loves us and wants to be involved and, and it's so interesting when, when people get mad or things, tra tragic things happen, parents might have passed away early, whatever it is, it's so interesting. People will shake their fist at God, but when people are, are out there with Buddha and everything else, they don't get mad at Buddha, but only, only, only people get mad at God. And our God's the one that says, I love you. I want to help you. He has a testimony, and he shows his testimony through the written word, and even through my, because I've lived life long enough now to see his faithfulness, and many of you live life, and we can't forget about his testimony towards our life, his involvement. He has a testimony that, that we, we won't, he's, the word of God says that the righteous will not go forsaken. That, that, that they'll be bred, they'll be taken care of. It goes on and on through the promises of God, that God has a testimony that that, that day of judgment, when we go before the Lord and say, Lord, I kept my end of the bargain, but, you know, you kind of slacked a little bit, and you kind of, you know, you didn't, you know, I'm not blaming you, Lord, but, you know, you could have done a little bit. No, no, no. When we stand before the Lord and God gets, we're going to be overwhelmed and we look back at our life of how God in the visible worked situations and took care of us and helped us. How many times before we came up the street corner and there's a major car accident? If you were only one minute further, and it's not that we're living in fear, but sometimes I think about it, or, or times when I'm driving that t car in, in, the, in my days being a Christian, my, my car has bald tires. And you know, when you get past when your tires are bald, steel starts poking out? I enter that dimension because I didn't have money to put nice steels coming out where I could see the steel. I said, oh, they make, I didn't know there was steel in the tires and, and, and the steel and the threads. And, and all of a sudden I go by and there's a brand new car there with brand new tires with a flat tire and I'm going on to work. Or every day I got to put a quart of oil in my truck to get to work just to make it to work because the oil's coming out fast. I don't have to change the oil. I put a quart in every day. It just comes right out. I mean, it just, what's the sense of getting oil changed? I'm getting one every day because I, I got to make it work because I didn't have the funds and resources. But God provided. Amen. Oh, it'd be nice. But little by little, where I'm trusting God because his testimony, his testimony to his people. 
I mean, doors, just like uh, your pastor shared of, of, of Brother Roman, of three. Oh, you got your choice. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. You got your choice. I mean, I never had a choice for a building. I never, never. I, I mean, I've, I've been in five different seats. It's always like, take this one or hit the road. That's the only, no, three different buildings. I mean, it's like, like what a, ble- this is miracle stuff. That's the testimony of God because he wants to bring revival right here in the Hampton Roads. God has a testimony where God wants to bless your life. He's not against you. I know what the devil says. He plays with your mind. But God is faithful. He wants to help his church. He wants to help you. He wants to bring good things. He's not taking away. He's not holding back. But tonight we got to get serious and say, Lord, this is my testimony. <coughs> Lord, this is who I am. I need to cherish it. I need to protect it. It's a full-time job. You don't have to worry about brother, sister, or sister so-and-so. You need to worry about your testimony and guard your heart and protect it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and reverence the Lord tonight.